Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's June 1st. We're off our two-week break. Uh, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson here. Um, we're going to do a little news roundup before we do a, a two-segment pod today. We'll have a bunch of questions from our readers to follow up. But uh, first, news roundup. Old news, Everett Golson to Florida State, Matt Haggerty to Oregon. New news, the team is back on campus, the underclassmen at least. Um, that includes Avery Sebastian, the fifth-year transfer from Cal. Uh, also cl- includes Kavari Russell. And somewhat awkwardly includes Ishak Williams, uh, and I'm sure you guys said, saw the story that I did on Friday talking to Sean Williams, Ishak's father. I came away kind of confused about what Notre Dame's stance is with this guy uh, and whether he's going to be part of the program in the fall or not. It's one of the most confusing issues I've ever seen with a Notre Dame football player because, you know, Notre Dame is very proud of their football players graduating and Ishak Williams and his father are adamant about him getting his undergraduate degree from Notre Dame. And they still seem to be in limbo. They came back to Notre Dame, not even sure whether he is going to actually be enrolled in school or, or not at Notre Dame. It, it's a, it's a perplexing situation. I guess I understand why Notre Dame's dragging its feet a little bit because you have a scholarship number issue. Uh, you've got a bunch of young defensive ends that need to play. And so it's just a, it's a very uncomfortable situation for all involved. And sooner or later, and now we're to the point where it's sooner, they're going to have to give Ishak Williams some very definitive answers, if not for football, definitely for, for school academically. I think the program's been kind of insulated from having to make any decision because they didn't know if he was in what regard he would be back as a student. Now that obviously, if, if he, once he enrolls in summer school, once he has that acceptance letter in hand that he can be back, in some way they're going to have to look into the fact that he's a scholarship student-athlete on the team, and can he be a student, can he be a scholarship athlete for Kelly? I, I, I guess Kelly doesn't have to make that decision, though, until enrolled in August. Really. Yeah, he can yeah, get through summer school, accumulate more credits. Yeah. I mean, his dad told me he's 27 credits away from graduation, which is, you know, a full right, a full year. Yeah. Um, so summer school knocks that down. I don't, I don't know, can you get six done? Yeah, six, six, yeah. So you get down to 21, um... You know, sort of basically sort of take a you know a couple 12 credit semesters and be done. And you can be on scholarship over the summer because the 85-man limit doesn't apply now because the it, it doesn't kick in until training camp. Um, and the end of training, near the end of training camp. Yeah, really. basically when the yeah. semester starts yeah. in the fall. And frankly, I don't understand how you can have your freshman class there and be on scholarship taking summer school where essentially you're over the 85 man limit there. I don't, I don't get how that works necessarily. It's college football. It's complicated. You can can virtually trade. When are we going to start trading? I'm veering off here. We're going to start trading (laughs) players. Ever Golson quarterbacks, Notre Dame one year, he quarterbacks Florida state the next year. We're going to start trading players at some point. As long as they're fifth year players who've graduated, I guess (laughs) that's how you earn the right of free agency. But yeah, it's, you know, just from a football perspective, 
you look at what Ishak Williams has done or not done in his career, it's been a disappointment. Um, I don't think there's any way around that. He started one game in three years. I think he has one sack. I, you sort of look at him now, it's like, would you be better off with Trombetti, Rochelle, Okwara maybe pushing his game forward a little bit more? Or are you better off losing those reps and, and, and sticking them with Ishak? I don't, I don't know what the answer to that actually is. I, and I think that's what Kelly has probably struggles with a little because I think Pete, you mentioned last time we were together that boy they could have used Ishak last year with all those injuries. No but, question. But now, do you need? I mean, he's the sixth defensive end, right? If you have Trombetti, Aquara, Rochelle, Blankenship, and Bonner, and they liked Bonner that much. Now I know there's already injury concerns there, but that's the sixth defensive end. So I now it's the sixth defensive end that's played forty games. You'd you'd rather have that, but is he taking? I don't know how it works. Does yep. he take reps that matter? Yeah, and there's been talk about you know sophomores that would preserve your eligibility. Right, Blankenship right. might be in a position to do that if he's there. Williams you can, can help point. you. But, you know, Everett Golson is now with Florida State. Matt, Matt Hegarty seeking an opportunity to play the position he wants to play that he feels he can play on the next level, which is the center position. He's landed at Oregon. And people have asked me about, well, you know, you you, you called Golson's uh, leaving Notre Dame a selfish act. Is Matt, is Matt Hegarty in the same boat? I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit different because he wants to be able to play the position right. Uh, that he feels he's best suited for. But, you know, both instances, and that's why I say, are we, are we going to start trading players here soon? I, I understand why schools are now very concerned about this because it's such a transient game now for guys leaving, you know, with a year of eligibility remaining for their fifth year. But, I mean, did Cody Riggs make a selfish decision to come to Notre Dame? Um, yeah, he did. But, I mean, he what he was being he was being, uh, he was being kind moved of pushed. To too. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of being pushed out of the really equation. Really a Haggerty type. It was a Haggerty type. Yeah, it's like, I want, I want to play one spot. They yeah. say, no, i got to go somewhere else to play. I, and it's like, the Haggerty move, it's like, we, we've spent so much oxygen on Golson. The Haggerty move is perfect. Like, Golson's not really a perfect fit anywhere. I don't think there's a seamless transition for him. I think Haggerty at Oregon, up tempo. I mean, this is a this yeah. Is a, you made a, a point. quicker, long, more athletic, athletic yeah, yeah. offensive lineman than he is a, a bruiser, which is kind of what Notre Dame wants at that position. Now, Oregon is going to look at Haggerty and be like, "Oh my God, this is like if we could design a center in a lab, it'd be it'd be Matt Haggerty." You're absolutely correct. I mean, look at the film. We I, I comment on this on the tail of tape all the time. He was all. He's following the play. He's the first guy to help up the uh, you know the ball carrier or the receiver. You're absolutely right, Pete. He is athletically a perfect fit for what Oregon wants to do offensively. I guess one quick news item before we get out of this segment and our questions. Uh, walk-on news. Nick Osello, who is a, uh, a starter for the Notre Dame's lacrosse team, which went to the Final Four, will be walking on with uh, Notre Dame this season. He had a tryout with the football program last week. That went well enough that Notre Dame invited him to come back in the fall. Um he was an all-state football player in high school uh, on, a, on a state championship team, quarterback DB. He'll be a, a defensive back. So maybe uh, could be an interesting special team story to track during the fall. Um, you know, we, we talked about Notre Dame special teams. Can they cover better? Can they get more athletic? I think you're going to have a pretty tried hard, uh, not take no for an answer type guy uh, in Ocello. So that'll be interesting to follow in the fall, but we'll uh, table walk on talk till August. So until then, that's segment one. We'll get into segment two. Questions for our readers after this. (laughs) 
The second and final segment of today's Irish Illustrated Insider starts with questions from D.B. Henders. The recent Prince Shembo incident seems to underscore how difficult the character side of a recruit player is to gauge. Do you sense that the staff is paying more attention to that dimension of a recruit? I don't know if they're paying more, uh, at least in the last year or so. I think that I feel like something changed after 2011. Uh, that class, when you had T. Shepard, Deontay Greenberry, David Perkins, you, you had a lot of guys in that Apparently group. Apparently changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had a lot of guys in that group. I mean, Devontae Neal was in that group, too. Justin Ferguson was in there. Um, you had a lot of guys in that class where you're just like, why is Notre Dame getting involved here? And I don't feel that way about the last few classes. I mean, Prince Shembo was interesting touchstone for this question because – he wouldn't have been somebody. I mean, he had an incident in high school where he got suspended for a game um, for disciplinary issues, but like that wouldn't have been enough for me to be like, well, you got to walk away from Prince Shembo. You wouldn't sense that from, from the time that we spent no. around mm-hmm. Prince Shembo. I mean, good family, and, and Prince certainly presented himself as, as a good fit for Notre Dame. Now, the issue, the recent issue with the girlfriend's dog, I mean, I you know, you can't make the correlation between the Lizzie Seaberg case in this per se, but when you add this to now you add it to, you know, what happened in high school. Yeah. I, to say that Notre Dame is, is more, uh, their senses are more acute to, to players like this is indicating that they weren't before. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Pete, the, the list of names that you mentioned there, I, I think, those are red flags. Yeah, no I, mean, doubt. I, I think the staff definitely after 2011 looked at them like, okay, Let's recalibrate what it takes to make it here, what kind of Kai, Kai we can go after. Because I think at that point, the staff was still figuring it out for themselves. Because, I mean, that was the 2011 recruiting class. They started recruiting those guys the first year they were here. So, at that point, I don't think it would have been fair to assume that Brian Kelly knew what kind of player was going to make it at Notre Dame. And he's probably sitting there thinking, like, okay, I was at Cincinnati. I could only recruit in this 80-mile radius. Now I can – you're telling me I can recruit anybody? Um, so, he did. Um and I think he sort of grew into like, oh, okay, I can recruit this guy, but that might be pushing the envelope too far. And he's he'll he'll tell you privately, like I tell my staff that you only get you only got two hands, meaning you can only hold two kids' hands at once. Like you can't be taking a whole bunch of guys mm-hmm. um, that maybe upset the chemistry or locker room, or you're worried about what they're doing on weekends because it's just it's just too much takes up too much bandwidth at Notre Dame to do that. And I, I think that over the last two, three recruiting cycles, they kind of figured it out. You know, when you're talking about, I mean, it's just counterproductive to the team. When you're, I mean, you're, you're constantly talking about team building exercises and things about putting team first. And when you're dealing with players like that, right. you're spending more time, you're, you're, as you say, Pete, I mean, you don't have enough hands to, to hold the hands of players like that. And it's a it is a fine line, and, and it's like character issues. We were just discussing this before the segment. That's that's not necessarily an academic risk. It's it's, I mean, it's go. You, you would never know that about Prince Shembo by talking to him over four years, like we did. No, you knew about the high school incident. You just didn't. I mean, it wasn't something I really actively considered when I was interviewing for the first time, though. That that was a big deal. But you you list guys coming in that could have character issues or aren't great fits at Notre Dame, and there's plenty of success stories, and you have to recruit those guys because you can't win football games without it. But as Pete said, you, you can't have a, 
a class full of seven or eight of them like that. So it, it does, I think it did change. I mean, I think, as he said, I think he adjusted to knowing that where you're taking a risk has to be worth it. And it's not just that he could be a great player. It's, it's could he possibly adapt? Yeah, got to know your locker room. You, yeah. you can have Lewis Nix and Stefan Tuitt if you have Kaepernick Lewis Moore. Um, you know, I think it's you got to have a balance between these guys to, to help them through. All right, next question. Wash ND with Kavari Russell now confirmed back. Wouldn't it now make a lot of sense to move Devin Butler to free safety since there really isn't a backup option for Max Redfield outside of the incoming freshman? It almost seemed imperative at this point. Did Tim? Did you write this question? I, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I think it. I, I haven't all three of us yeah, said yes. at some point that that it's a it's a natural move. I mean, I, th- I think that you know a lot of times when you're dealing with your players, you you've you've kind of you've got to be careful. I mean, you don't want to as it is. Devin Butler was beaten out by Nick Watkins in the spring, and I, and I still think that Devin Butler's a he's a good kid, a productive kid. Um, and somebody that I think that would be a really good fit at safety because he really doesn't have the pure corner skills. And when he came in, he was kind of listed as a as a corner safety. So it would make sense. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to lose Devin Butler in the process because you want to be a, a, an integral part of the program. But to, in answering the question, yes, I, th- I think it makes perfect sense to move him to safety. I think it makes sense initially because he's the, or he's the fourth close. He's the fourth corner now. And that doesn't mean that like, the third corner isn't necessarily your nickel. So if, if Matthias Farley stays your nickel, Nick Watkins is the only corner getting in in mm-hmm. games besides the starters. And so right now your backup free safety, that's what obviously people are looking for, they have enough strong safeties, would be Tranquil, who's a box safety, who's got an injury, or the freshman. I mean, that that's... It does make a lot of sense. Just yeah, I don't, I don't, and you're not going to lose him because he's going to play all four special teams anyway. He's not going to play at all as a number four corner. Right. I don't think the knee injury is going to be an issue with Tranquil. He was I so don't, far, but it's, unless he's yeah. had a setback. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, he's not a true free safety. Yeah, that's more of a box safety. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that's a position where you need four guys who can play. Sure, you know, it's not like you can have just two starters. All right, next up, Irish two thousand one. What are Brian Kelly's options if Notre Dame doesn't have another transfer before the start of camp? And there are 86 scholarship players on the roster. I think he has had this conversation. It's, it is unfortunate that it's a fifth-year player doesn't get to be on scholarship at Notre Dame. Then he can decide if he's going to pay his own way in grad school. It's um, I hate to single guys out. I'm sure he talked to guys like Chase Hounschel. He, he, he said at the beginning of spring those, his spot is not guaranteed. Now I think people took that to mean he had a spring tryout. He obviously passed that flyout. Or passed that tryout with flying colors, apparently, because he was mentioned as a tight end candidate uh, when, when you would never think he, you know, right. some other guy, he, he said he could help us. He could, no, we could play four tight ends. You could ignore mentioning a guy like that if you right. don't have any plans so I, for him. I think they have plans for him, but if they're at 86, uh, someone like that, it's it's got to be a grad student. You're not pulling the scholarship from somebody else. So if that's what people are worried about, that's it's not a possibility. But there really aren't any other fringe fifth-year guys anymore. That, that would be it. Um, so he would be the guy, and I think we've talked about this in the past. It was... Kelly's not going to answer this directly, but he was asked at one of the press conferences, was the scholarship given to Montgomery Van Gorder a one-year deal? And Kelly said yes. So that's that, one. That, that, that's an and that, So there's one right there, and if there's 84 guys, I'm sure Van Gorder would get a scholarship again. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like you got Connor Cavalaris right. in there who's, you know, helped you on special teams. Um, you know, there and he, you know, he plans to come back, and if he has to pay his own way, he will, but... Um, you know, I mean, that's he'll that, play. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, that's a walk. That's yeah. a walk on that definitely deserves a scholarship if you can afford to. They're really not. They're probably not in a situation where they can afford to this. Yeah, year. but I mean, really, this this should be the first time 
since Kelly's been here that he's going to go into training camp and not be at 82, 81. Right, I mean, right. so many times you we, we walk out, talking we walk out of that first press conference and are like, man, we lost three guys <laughs> over the summer. Nothing has even happened yet. So that would be a change for the better for the program. And he he – this is a good thing that he did this. You want to be at 86 right now. You want to be at 86 to 87 yeah. because you're not you're not pulling some incoming freshman scholarship in Notre Dame, so it's nothing people have to worry about. Yeah, no question. Evil Irish One uh, asks, I want to know where you see the Irish program in the next two to four years. Will Brian Kelly be there? How will recruiting look under Mike Elston long-term? Things you would like to see Notre Dame do to appeal to national recruits. I don't know. That's uh, I got some nuclear questions here. Uh, will Brian <laughs> Kelly be here in two to four years? I'd say probably not. Um, I would agree you know, with especially that. Especially if at four years, that'd be ten years uh, at Notre Dame. That's Regardless of whether you want to go pro or not, that's just a lot of years at Notre Dame yeah. to be a head coach. Um, you know, Will recruiting look a lot different? I don't think that it will. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to thrive in the areas where they've thrived historically. Offensive line, tight end, quarterback offensive skill positions and I think they're going to struggle in positions where they've historically struggled defensive line um I don't think there's going to be a change there uh and then what would they do to appeal to more national recruits I think they need another 2012 and I think they have a good chance of getting that yeah yeah that's I agree and I think they lost some traction by just getting destroyed in that game and it would have helped if they would have looked somewhat representative of what we saw but Separate from that, I don't think Notre Dame fans, this is going to sound weird, I don't think Notre Dame fans should want Kelly here in three years because I think that means he had three 9-10 and 10 win seasons, and if he's not here, he probably won 12 games and went to the NFL because he's not yeah, leaving for a good it. job at, after 9-4. and four. So if, if you, you want to win 12 or 13 games, that probably costs you your head coach. Yeah, you know, I think that, I mean, you know, Notre Dame, it's just so, it, it has been so hard to be consistent. I think there's a huge window of opportunity in 2015, with or without Ever Golson, yeah. this is a, a huge window of opportunity, uh, a ton of talent, depth, juniors that are going to want to leave. Um, you better take advantage of it now because I, I don't think that Notre Dame, I, I think the 2015 season will be better than anything that is right around the corner from that. Which, yeah, which means you don't think he'll be here. It's weird to say that he won't be here next year. But I agree with you. This is their best chance. I've thought that for about a year and a half. So there would be a great this chance. Is his great that, cha- this yeah. is his chance to leave as the winner and go on a winning note and try the NFL. I, I wouldn't think, you know, let's let's say best case scenario, they do come out and win. They go to the playoffs this year and whatever happens, happens at that point. That's the time to go if you're going to go and you don't really expect them to go back to the playoffs next year because if they go to the playoffs, those guys are, oh, those juniors are leaving. You, you so that's contract, contract yeah. year for everybody. You yeah, act like he'd go to the playoffs and then the next day he'd be interviewing no, for an NFL that, job. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that has happened. All right, our final question. Blue Chip Man, will Brian Van Gorder prove to be a disappointment this year? Who do you think underachieved last season on offense, defense? Who do you think overachieved? Is that... Last year or upcoming, who will be the biggest underachiever? Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant yeah, to say. Well, these guys are going to underachieve this year. We don't normally take that kind of approach, but boy, I, you know, I think they're deeper. I think they're more talented. They're certainly more experienced. I think we would all be very disappointed if over the last eight games of the year, they allow 40 points per game again. I mean, I I, I expect them to be better. I ex- Look, they should be better at the point of attack. I think the front seven enters the season with, with some proven talent 
and depth, and I would expect them to be much better than they were over the final two-thirds of, of last season. If they give up 40 points again for two months, then the last question will be answered as well because he won't be here in the next couple of years because right. they can't yeah. do that again. But well, it, it, that won't happen again. That, that's that's not They're too deep and they have enough talent. That, that was a, I, I know things went badly last year. There's odd, catastrophic injuries where you couldn't have them. And that's, they're, they're built better for that. If you lost Joe Schmidt now, you would just get a little bit worse. I'm, I'm a, right. as fascinated by Van Gorder, maybe more fascinated by Van Gorder and... Was he the September defensive coordinator or was he November defensive coordinator? To me, that's more interesting than what the offense looks like with Malik Zaire. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, because I mean, you mentioned they had catastrophic injuries and they couldn't afford them. I agree. That should have led to allowing 30 points every game, not 40. I, th- I think they, they had a bad situation and it was made worse by a very complex system that just did not work with the guys on the field there was not enough flexibility there and I don't know how flexible he really could have been can you scrap your scheme in October and start over probably not Um, but I don't I don't know what this is going to look like I don't know what they're going to look like when they get off the mat as bad as they were defensively and they were terrible at the end of last year the last couple months it started with North Carolina even they were terrible They, they, they bounced back a little bit against Florida State but the offense didn't help them at the end, they were handing out defensive touchdowns like it was tips at a Vegas nightclub. I mean, every time you looked up, there was somebody going the other way. Northwestern, uh, Arizona State, I can't even count how many. Was there only two? Arizona State, and they're intercepting the ball, the 20 also. And I mean, Northwestern brought one back to about the six-yard line. It's That that doesn't help a bad defense. Yeah, but I, I was told after the Arizona State game that the sudden change defense was, or, or the defense was really good today, even though they gave up two sudden change scores, two plays apiece. You know, the bigger question is maybe... Not whether Brian Kelly will be back next year, but whether Brian Van Gorder will yeah. be back next year. What do you think, Pete? You think he'll be back? You think he'll be around beyond a two-year stint at Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean that seems to be sort of his career mo. That you know, one, two years beyond that. I mean, he is. I gotta think he's as comfortable working with Brian Kelly as he has with any boss that he's had because he's a defensive guy working for an offensive head coach. I, I mean, I've always felt like in a college coaching situation. If you're more of a career assistant, what better situation would you have than working for a head coach who specializes on the other side of the ball so you can sort of be an assistant head coach? I mean, he's he's got a lot of talent to work with here. They've recruited pretty well, especially a linebacker, and he's making a million dollars a year. I mean, that's a pretty good situation. But don't you think he would be more comfortable coaching under Brian Kelly if this were Georgia or Auburn than... Than Notre Dame, you know, I mean, it, I, I, it, especially being a former it makes pro you, coach. You know, that that's an interesting point because it makes you wonder, okay, if your system is that dependent on Joe Schmidt and that level of sort of high Mensa genius instinct <laughs> linebacker, are you going to get that guy at Georgia or Auburn? Well, then how did he have I, the success I don't that he know. had? He, I, 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 he failed at Auburn and was ultra-successful at Georgia. Would be yeah. one way of looking at it. I mean, he didn't make it in a completely change, different era yeah. uh, when the defense wasn't that complicated and the spread offense wasn't prevalent Well, that's at all. true. It was, a di- it was a different game at that point. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, but again, it's, I guess go back to, I'm fascinated by what this defense looks like and how it relates to Van Gorder. Um, you know, schematically, I think we know some of the stuff they're going to do with the overload blitzes and all that. But can Van Gorder maximize the ability that he has? Because I think unlike on offense where there's just there's so much talent there that you can't help but be successful, I, I still think defensively it's about pushing buttons and getting guys to raise their level of play because 
there are not a whole lot of established guys, but there is some material there they need to develop. And I think I, I all along have thought he was hired for a two-year project with the defense. <laughs> and I honestly I agree with everything you said that this is a great place to work and work with Brian Kelly in this situation. But it's almost along the lines of if they go thirteen and one, he goes and finds his next job, and if they go eight and five, he's forced to go find his next job. All right. So who are the overachievers? Overachievers on defense this year. Um, and guys we're going to look at and be like, man, that guy really exceeded expectations. You know, I think someone like James Onowalu comes to mind to me because um, I feel like he was sort of finding his way pretty much all last year. But there's there's some nice athleticism, I mm-hmm. think, in his there build, is. and he hits you. Um, but I just don't think he was ever able to put it together because he was learning on the fly. So that's, I mean, that that's the guy that comes to mind most. I think it would have, it's sort of like the Isaac Rochelle of this year. Right? That's who I think we're looking for. Does Trombetti count? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I think he, he would be mine. I, yeah. I, I'm pretty high on him. I don't know if I, I don't know if this qualifies for quote overachiever because he's highly touted and we've seen what he looks like physically and he's a stud. But I, I think Elijah Shoemate's going to have a great, a great last year at Notre Dame. Physically, he has all the tools. We know what he's he's struggled with in learning the defense, but I think that I think we saw in the spring a little bit of a comfort zone. The fall's a lot different than the spring, but I think I think Elijah Shoemate is really, really well prepared to have a great exit year from Notre Dame. All right. Well, that's it for our latest Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. We will be back next Monday on our regular schedule, June 8th. So until then, he's Tim Priester, he's Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening to Irish Illustrated Insider.